because we could leverage a lot of the Commvault experience and then add on in the SaaS delivery, security is built into Metallica. Best-in-class encryption, security certifications, access controls. We have anomaly detection, so we can track anomalies and data and report on them. And these are very unique features based on decades of learning. And then Metallic is hosted on Azure, so we leverage the best-in-class from Azure as well. So we've taken what we've learned from Commvault and then into the SaaS and cloud delivery, leveraging Azure, so we've built a very strong and Hi, and welcome to Conversations with Devs. I'm Des Blanchfield. Today I'm joined by Janet Giesen, who is the Vice President of Operations and Programs for Metallic, a Commvault venture. Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for making time to join us. Thank you, Des, for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Oh, indeed, I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. We've got so many great things to cover. But before we do that, uh, just allow me a moment to introduce you to our listeners in slightly more detail, if you don't mind. Uh, so, folk, Janet leads operations, go-to-market programs, brand, and messaging for Metallic, a Commvault venture, which we'll get into more detail in a moment. Prior to bringing Metallic to the market, Janet actually held a range of roles with a B2B content company called Shutterstock, including VP of Business Development and GM of Enterprise and SMB Business Line. And then prior to that, Janet managed B2B digital partnerships for American Express. Amazing roles, each of them. Janet also holds an MBA from the NYU Stern School of Business, which I actually did some homework on them. And interestingly, they were founded in 1900. So Stern's one of the oldest business schools in the world, which uh, is an amazing place to, to have studied, I'm sure. So in this yes. show, in this show, okay. again, I mean, I'm just so envious. I mean, I, I've actually walked past this thing, by the way, uh, and it's a phenomenal building, So as, as is the university. Oh, it is. It, it, it's just a great place to learn to be in the center of the city like that. Indeed. I'm sure it was frenetic, although getting parking is probably a nightmare. So um, in this show, we're going to talk about SaaS data protection and some of the considerations for remote workers, which in the context of the state of the nation currently uh, of the world, uh, makes a lot of sense beyond the normal business enterprise challenges. But before we do that, I wonder, Janet, if we could maybe just give listeners a little background on yourself. I mean, maybe if you just start up from where are you from originally, where did you grow up and what's some of your background there in your early life? Yes. So I grew up in the Northeast of the United States and just bounced around different states, you know, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York. I went to college in Boston and then ended up in Manhattan for about 10 years or so um, before making the move to the suburbs. What uh, what really set you down this path uh, in early life? I mean, uh, in myself, I was inspired both my dad entrepreneurially and, and then a bunch of people that worked with him and around us, and including an uncle who was just uh, really into technology and it just really fascinated me, all the things he used to pull apart, put back together. Were there, were there individuals or anything in particular in life that sort of inspired you to go down this particular career path? You know, it's interesting. I would say my parents absolutely inspired me. My father grew up in the back of a bait and tackle shop in Newark, New Jersey. One of six, you know, he had quite a few siblings. He was the first to go to college, worked multiple jobs to get him through college. And, you know, talk about bootstrapping, he became a senior executive. So I saw that in, in terms of kind of that spirit. And that was something really inspiring for me. In terms of this career path, you know, what's interesting is I have a bit of a non-traditional background. I actually started out in book publishing in Manhattan, working for a company called Random House. So I was very much like what you see in the chick flicks, uh, starting out in publishing, getting getting ready to do all these things. And at the time, they were giving the recent college grad accounts like Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com to manage because this was, this was a while ago. They didn't realize what was about to happen with Amazon. And what set me on the technology career path is that Amazon started showing their Kindle prototype. And I realized I was on the wrong side of this, and I really wanted to get into technology. And now I'm working on data protection as a service, which is really fascinating with all the changes happening um, with cloud data and remote work and all of the you know cloud changes that are occurring at the moment. Wow, it's an amazing awesome. journey. I imagine that in part, some of that probably prepared you well for the whole concept of not just data protection, but what we've sort of been through with the Scambrian explosion of data in that you were dealing with things like ebooks and digital rights management and other things that now are so important that they're intellectual property in many ways uh, and part of our you know, assets that, that companies have now come to realize that data is so important. It's like the new oil for them. Uh, I imagine through that process, you've, you've sort of been immersed in that and, and seen that in early stages. And now that you're within Commvault's family, within Metallic, that this is even more important. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of my projects in publishing was to build XML feeds to distribute the publishing data and the book data to different places. And, you know, then at Amex, the financial data at Shutterstock, we're moving large amounts of images, video, music. So now to be more on the side of backing up that data and making sure people have access to it is, is a pretty interesting shift. Oh, indeed. Well, you've certainly had an amazing journey uh, through your, your personal life and your early education and then uh, all the way through to completing an MBA, which is pretty exciting. And I, I wish I could make time to do that. I, I, I must do that one day. I keep swearing at something I'm doing on my bucket list. But uh, you've had quite an amazing career path. But, you know, your role now, I mean, I, I can imagine that you're jumping out of bed every day to do this because it's such an exciting time to be in this whole space of data protection, particularly given that people are making the transition to cloud first and moving to the cloud. And I'd, I'd like to cover off on a couple of things if we can. Maybe, you know, there's no secret we're going through a global pandemic. We're dealing with the COVID-19 derivative of the coronavirus. But before we get into how that's impacted data protection, I wonder if we could maybe get a sense of what a day in the life of Janet Geeson was like prior to this. Because can you just sort of understand some of the core challenges that you're facing within your role and how it sort of fits into the whole metallic world and the types of organizations you're supporting? Yes, absolutely. So prior to this, you know, what's interesting about Metallic is is it is the SaaS brand and SaaS division within Commvault, and we run it sort of war room style. So I would come in and we had kind of a war room where the cross-functional team would be, and it was what is most needed for this business that we are launching, right? Uh, what is most needed for the customers, for the partners within the product, within operations, and so there's that kind of unpredictable nature of it as we are launching something new. And that has continued. It's just that since COVID-19, now it's remote and it's replicating that experience remotely. Um, the experience of being a startup within a larger company and trying to replicate that war room feel, you know, on video conferences and things like that. So it, it's similar, but now a new medium. Yeah, it's definitely been a game changer. And I hope you don't mind, but I was, I mean, I'm just curious how you're doing personally. I mean, how have you coped with this whole pivot? I mean, it's one thing to have a challenging career to sort of just run and build these businesses and, and keep, you know, keep them growing and all the exciting things you're doing pre-pandemic era. But I mean, how have you coped with this whole transition from working from home and juggling that sort of home work-life balance when for a lot of people I talk to, their biggest concern is that work has now become 24-7 because they're at home and they constantly feel like they should be doing something. How are you doing personally? Yes, it's it's a tough balance. My husband and I both work full time and we have two young children. So it's been a new normal and figuring that out throughout the day. The other piece is that a couple members of our extended family have come down with COVID. They've recovered, thankfully, but it's certainly something that stresses you out day to day, right? As you have people close to you that have it and it's it's just unpredictable. It's put so much pressure on us individually that there's an assumption that things are going to keep going normally and we've got to you know, keep doing our jobs and we've got to keep the organisations operational. And certainly in your case, you've got to then support not only your own team and the organisation and the broader Commvault family, but also your own partners and your ecosystem and resellers, which we'll get into soon, and then their customers. So maybe let's just dive into the whole metallic thing. I mean, I'd love to sort of get into a couple of key things around it, particularly, you know, the whole concept of SaaS backup and endpoint protection in particular, and then some of the considerations for remote workers. So I wonder if we could maybe just start out with you giving us essentially a 30,000-foot point of view of what Metallic is, just a general introduction to the brand and the organization and what the offering is. Absolutely. So we launched Metallic to market about six months ago, but the planning started before that. Metallic is the SaaS or cloud-focused division of Commvault. Um, and what it is, is it's really meant to allow Commvault to deliver data protection as a service now. Because Commvault has had installed software, has had hardware, and now we deliver our offering, offerings as SaaS. And the three primary use cases we cover are, one, Office 365 backup. The second is what we call core backup, which is VMs, files, SQL database backup. And the third is endpoint backup, you know, protection at the edge. So those are the three that we took to market in October. And we're excited by the reception of it so far with customers and with partners. Oh, no, it's fantastic. Congratulations on, on the amazing journey so far in the last six months, which we'll get into. I, I had the privilege of, as you know, and, and the audience knows, because they probably had the uh, pleasure of watching the videos of us interviewing you at the launch time, but at Commvault Go last year in Denver, what an amazing place and what an amazing event. 
just seeing it launched on on the stage was pretty exciting. It was just an amazing experience and getting to to know it firsthand in the first few days myself and then the conversation with the, with you just, just sort of going through what it was all about. I wonder for listeners today though if we could maybe just get a little quick insight of kind of the key things that drove Commvault to develop and launch Metallic. I mean it's it's a natural evolution with regard to the whole transition to cloud and the pivot to cloud and, and the adoption of SaaS for key enterprise and business services. We've seen it go through you know, CRM and ERP types of products that people are using. And now we've seen it with Office Automation with 365, where you know, even if people are using uh, Windows and Office, they sort of forget that Office 365 is a cloud platform. It's a SaaS offering. You just happen to install apps to use locally. What, what were sort of the, the key driver or decision points, if you like, that sort of brought Commvault to even conceive this concept and then go through developing and launching Metallic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so as you know, Commvault has a very strong base of technology and a strong history in backup and data protection more generally. And some of our research showed that there was a gap here, right, in data protection delivered as a service, more of kind of the SaaS uh, piece of this. And there's no market leader. There's a few different folks, you know, really vying to be the market leader, but Commvault hadn't really played its hand yet in SaaS backup. So with our new CEO coming on last year, Sanjay Merchandani, what he did is created this incubation group that formed Metallic. And we really are entrepreneurs as opposed to entrepreneurs. You know, we are a startup within a public company. And it it really is great because we can have a cross-functional team that moves very quickly within the company, but we can also leverage established capabilities and technology that Commvault brings. So I think it was, you know, two parts. It was the market opportunity and the shift that we're seeing in more openness to SaaS data protection, but it's also Commvault's strength in being able to deliver something like that. Right. I do like that idea of an entrepreneur. It's, it's something we've seen a number of organizations use to to transform themselves, sometimes through the digital transformation transfer transformation process, they, they'll disrupt themselves by by taking a business unit that, that's internally costing them more than it should be and they, they build it. In this case you've obviously looked at a great market opportunity and and you know as a as a consumer of SaaS and almost everything I do, I'm obsessed with it. If I don't have to run tin to do something I will immediately pay for a service externally. I think this is such a, a perfect natural evolution to move to. When you initially launched, there were, there were three key things, which I'll just quickly outline now. I'd like to sort of just quickly dive into. The first was what you call Metallic Office 365 Backup and Recovery, which is, I guess, focused at a SaaS backup offering for office automation tools, so email and files and data. You had Metallic Core Backup and Recovery, which I think was focused on virtual machines and the data on those. And then the Metallic Endpoint Backup and Recovery, which I think was focused on sort of laptops and desktop computers. What what were the key drivers to sort of focus on those three key areas? And, and, and what can you tell us about sort of the, the rationale behind that and those three market opportunities? Yeah, so we wanted to start with the most common use cases that we were seeing. I think Office 365 being a widely adopted SaaS application, and there's certainly a market demand for backup to accompany that that has sort of customizations and the configuration and the things that we can bring to the table to protect that data that was a natural. And then core really is if you do have VMs files and you are interested in that delivered as SaaS, that's why we call it the core offering, kind of your core backup um, for what you're doing. And interestingly, Endpoint was to round out the offering. We knew that we needed to have protection at the edge because that's where a lot of data breaches can occur. So we wanted to make sure we had those most common use cases covered, but we did launch it with a portfolio approach, you know, where you can purchase one or multiple, but we can add to that portfolio over time. And then what we're bringing to this is unique, right? We already have um, inherent scalability, a strong tech platform. You know, we have over 800 patents, over an exabyte of data in the cloud. So we really wanted to take the best of SaaS to the best of backup. Um, find those common use cases where we were seeing SaaS adoption. Um, and that's why we started with those three. It's always struck me that organizations are surprised to learn that they're already consumers of cloud and SaaS services in various forms. Yeah. Um, you know, so true. 
It, it, I often, you know, I'm sitting in a boardroom occasionally and I'll sort of talk about adoption of SaaS and people look at me as if I've got three heads and I sort of scratch my head thinking, well, hang on a second. As consumers or as a company, I mean, you're using internet banking over the web, you're using app-based services from smartphones and more recently with a pivot that Microsoft's made, for example, with the likes of Office 365, you know, the, their whole office automation platform is SaaS-based, even though they might download and install the apps locally for a word processor, a spreadsheet or an email app or a calendar app. And not just on their local computer or their mobile computer or their tablets or their laptops or, and even this whole pivot to bring your own device or BYOD. Do you think that cultural behavioral shift has in effect led organizations now to seek out cloud first solutions and, and prepare them for sort of their core business needs to be delivered such as data protection as a SaaS offering? Yes, absolutely. The shift to doing work on laptops, mobile devices, more distributed workforces, you know, of course, pre-COVID, there was a shift to more tolerance to working from home. And I think that inherently um, is conducive to that more cloud-oriented or SaaS-oriented solutions. And then in parallel, it's just the proliferation of SaaS applications. So you have, you know, the installed version of Office, as you mentioned, that has been now transitioned to Office 365. You, you know, Adobe moving from Creative Suite to Creative Cloud. What Google has done for the Google suite of apps and that instant sharing and instant access. So I think this has just been um, moving quite quickly. Salesforce is another one, of course, and people don't even realize sometimes that they're actually using SaaS applications. So to your point, people often don't realize how quickly they're adopting it and how much it already exists in the organization. Yeah, I'm, I, I always, I'm always very polite, but I have a, a, a friendly chuckle with uh, C-suite, particularly CIOs and CTOs and, and CISOs, when we sort of talk about this. And this is like eureka moment when we start whiteboarding just how many services they're consuming and where they are and that they're actually not behind their own firewalls and they yeah. they hadn't really conceived it. And, and you know, we've had shadow IT for, for, I guess, the better part of a decade or so now where that sort of caught CIOs out. But, yeah, it's interesting that the number of things that we go through our day, both as consumers, as enterprise and business users, that have just, you know, naturally morphed to a cloud service, that it's easy to almost forget that the data isn't necessarily with us anymore. Even if it is with us, there's a copy of it somewhere in the cloud. I'm curious about the target market here. I mean, when we think about the types of services that are currently in the offering now, and I'm sure they will grow over time, who's the initial target market? I mean, there's no doubt it's a perfect fit for every key industry and, and, and certainly every market segment, I can imagine. But I imagine there must have been an initial sweet spot between sort of single users and large enterprise somewhere in the middle that was sort of perfect fit that you targeted. You know, it's interesting. We did a lot of research on this, and we found that the segment that was quickest to adopt data protection delivered as SaaS was the mid-market, not SMB, but more the true mid-market, even skewing toward lower enterprise. So kind of 500 to 2,500 employee companies, they don't have the maybe size of IT team that a, a large enterprise has. And, you know, they have some openness and can make slightly quicker decisions here. But what's interesting is that as we've launched, we found a lot of enterprise interest, even large enterprise which makes sense, right, because Commvault has been working in the large enterprise for quite some time. But also, if you think about something like Office 365 backup, right, that inherently scales, right, to as many users as you want to protect. And there's been so much adoption of that in the enterprise that where, where we saw in our studies that mid-market was shifting more quickly, enterprise is right there as well. And that's been, I think, our top learning over this first six months is that while the sweet spot was mid-market, enterprise is right there as well. I imagine that mid-market was a perfect fit in light of the fact that they probably have smaller IT budgets, they've got more nimble and agile teams, they're early adopters of new technology in general and, and, and particularly cloud, and so they would have been early adopters of SaaS-based solutions as a whole. It was a natural fit to, to provide you know, data protection in that space as well. Yeah, if you look at kind of maybe the decision teams or buying teams in mid-market versus enterprise, it's just there's more stakeholders and decision makers in enterprise. So sometimes in the mid-market, you can move um, a little more quickly, depending, right? And one, one other thing we found is that roughly two-thirds of businesses had replaced their backup solution in the last 12 months. This was within the mid-market. And we really saw an opportunity here because one of the top reasons was too much manual work. They didn't want to take on as much ownership. So that's where SaaS delivery can be very, very helpful. And then it really rounds out our portfolio because when you think, take a step back and think about what Commvault has to offer, 
right? If you want more of that control, if you want to own more of it in your own infrastructure, you have Commvault for installed software. If you don't, and you want to access that frame in the cloud, right, and you really want that SaaS delivery, then you have Metallic. No, I love it. And, you know, there are a number of organizations I've dealt with in the last sort of, you know, 30 odd years and that'll age me quickly. But in the last three decades, I've seen organizations go from, you know, very large uh, monolithic platform environments and centralized data centers to now very fragmented and positively fragmented adoption of technology. Something that strikes me with this is that you could have a scenario, I've, you know, I've worked with likes of, say, an organization that designed trains and built train systems, everything from the cabins through to the rail systems and the wow. control platforms. And, you know, their core enterprise, as far as the group goes, would not use all of your technology for a sort of, you know, on-media backup within the core office. But when we put these teams out on sites at rail sites or within cities or in mobile environments with 50, 60 or 100 people to sort of design things or do on-site testing, we had to do a lot more nimble and agile, flexible solutions for, you know, on-site connectivity, voice, and then data protection. And, you know, at one point we were even doing backup to NAS because it was the only way to get something close to them. This, to me, seems like a perfect fit for those disruptive opportunities we're going to see companies go through now where, yes, the core environment will use your your normal, long, well-proven uh, Commvault solutions for their enterprise core data. But when they have these disruptive or project-based or, or, or even the scenario where it's like now we're in a pandemic or some other incident, they can start to adopt this technology to get that flexibility to scale up and down as they need. Yes, absolutely. And and we're certainly seeing that flexibility, scalability, all of that are kind of key value points and things that people are looking for when they're considering these kinds of solutions. Now, when you launched it, I remember seeing it on stage and, and I was fascinated. It was just a great presentation. But obviously, the, the initial launch had to start somewhere. And North America was a natural fit. I wonder if you can sort of give us a bit of uh, insight into kind of the the, the plans from the launch process to sort of the, the, the rollout around the rest of the world, because I know there's some talk about new regions and then there's some natural things to go through that rollout process with regard to the platform that it's on and, and, and where it's at. And then you've also got some challenges, I'm sure, around data protection, data privacy and sovereignty in various nations and regions. And there's no secret that GDPR is going to be a challenge and certainly the likes of Australia and Germany that are world famous for having extremely stringent data protection challenges for not just government and state and federal level, but also enterprise. Maybe if you can give us a little insight into kind of that rollout uh, timeline as to, you know, starting a North American market and where, where to go from there. Yes. So in October, we launched in the U.S. only to start. This was really to learn you know, from customers and partners as we started this launch so that we could learn and adjust as we are going forward. We then launched in Canada. We've been rolling out in Canada now. And we do have a plan to expand to additional geos in the coming quarters. You know, our our goal is to be global with this. We just want to take a measured approach and make sure we're taking into account all the things we talked about, right? Making sure that we're clear where the data is hosted, making sure we're compliant, looking at our SaaS ops infrastructure, you know, all of the pieces that we need to take into account there. So that has been the rationale for going to U.S. and Canada first and then moving from there. I mean, it seems to me there's a natural fit for any of these types of SaaS offerings. I mean, you know, cloud platforms as a whole, whether it's, you know, Google Compute or Amazon's web services and, and, and Microsoft Azure, I mean, they've gone through a natural evolution process of exactly the same form in any SaaS offering even Salesforce and so forth, you know, it's not it's not really the sort of thing you can just switch on globally, despite the, the desire to do that from, from yourselves, I'm sure, as a provider and certainly from our, our end as a consumer, because there are so many controls and so many uh, caveats to deal with now. So I think this is just a, it's a normal trans, transition to sort of go from one region, which you obviously North America was a natural fit and roll out. And I'm sure there's no uh, limit of demand, but uh, that steady eddy approach is, is going to hold us all in good stead, I'm sure, because uh, this is, you know, particularly when we think about the types of encryptions and, and the protection of the data, it, you only really get one chance to get it right and then deploy it. You can't quite do midstream changes with this kind of critical stuff. So I think this has been a very, very uh, sensible approach uh, by any organization. And certainly I'm glad to see that, that it's a Commvault Metallica taking that because I, I think that it gives organizations a sense of, of stability and security that they can then bank on and count on on a daily basis, knowing that as you roll it out, you've already done all the homework, you've taken all the controls and measures and tested it. And so I think this is a, you know, you're to be congratulated in so many ways for that. Because I'm sure there's a desire to, to go global with a big bang, but that that you know we see organisations that do that and they trip up and it just doesn't go well and then data breaches happen. So, you know, I think I can sleep well at night at least knowing that my data will be looked after properly there. 
One well, of the, thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think there's just so many rushes to the market that just go wrong. And so I think it's fantastic to see it in a measured approach. One of the things I was really keen to do was, was sort of look back on the last six months. I think it's easy to overlook this period and sort of think, you know, you're here, you're on the market, it's exciting, there's adoption, people are signing up and taking you on board. But I, I know that a lot of our listeners would love to sort of get some insight, both from an operational point of view, but also some of the highlights and learnings you've had in the last six months, because it's been an exciting six months. It's been moving at a frenetic pace. You've now had a pandemic thrown at you. I mean, when you look back in the last six months, I mean, what has that journey been like for you as an, you know, you and your team and as organization in, in general within Metallic and the Convolt family? I mean, I'd love to sort of get some sense of the highlights and sort of the key phases you went through and any key learnings you'd gained from that, particularly dealing with the, the market as we're taking it up. Yes, absolutely. So it's been fascinating because leading up to our launch last October, it was really an incubation group, right, where we were all working maniacally toward that launch. And then since the launch, now we have a real business, right? We're, we're managing a real business line now. And the first thing is that we've had great response from customers and from partners on this. We've seen a lot of our research validated in that it fills a market need. There is interest in SaaS. We see customers ask for it. You know, do you have backup delivered to SaaS? Do you have SaaS backup? Do you have cloud backup? And so it's resonating. I think that's the top learning that we're seeing. I already shared the learning of more interest from enterprise that, than we anticipated. So that's been a great learning as well. And then our growing partner ecosystem. You know, we launched this as a very channel friendly uh, solution because we know that many IT teams rely on their channel partners, you know, CSPs, you know, solution providers to recommend the best solutions for their IT staff. So we've really worked to engage the partner community and we're growing that. You know, we launched with five focus partners. We are expanding from there. We have a lot of partner interests as well. So that's exciting. And, and it goes back to the, the story of choice and the notion of choice for customers, you know, whatever form factor they want to leverage from Commvault, you know, whether it is that installed software, whether it is hardware, nor whether it is SaaS, and that that is resonating. And then incidentally, this is kind of just a, you know, a couple fun pieces of information. But, you know, first people react sort of interestingly to the name Metallic. That's always a fun one, you know, because it's the notion of the hardened cloud. And, you know, there's a lot of different images that evoke. So we've gotten some great reactions there. And then to the product itself, you know, we have a, a smart configuration wizard that takes the 20 years of best practices from Commvault and makes recommendations about your backup setup. So you don't have to think about it. It says, this is what we recommend, you know, and for VMs, for example, you know, even though you're backing up from data in the cloud, how about a local copy for fast restore should you need it? Like it makes suggestions as you go through the product and those have been reacted to really well. And, and the product has some personality um, as it's doing it a little bit too, which is always nice. I like that. I like I like the personification of that giving it a personality because when I think about the lineage it comes from of of a Commvault as a parent, and this idea being you know this whole metallic concept being a new idea born out of the, that whole lineage of multi-decade proven experience in data protection and and all those things around backup and 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 archival and so forth and response to business continuity and disaster recovery this is kind of like the perfect genius child of protecting data i love that mental image uh, i remember when uh, watching a keynote thinking to myself wow this is amazing they just created this whole new sort of birthing this new thing that's got an amazing personality and i do love the metallic idea i, I do have this mental image of this rock solid uh, cage in the cloud that protects my data one of the things I'd love to dive into that I was really fascinated with, I mean, I, the three particular use cases made sense to me from day one, but the one that really resonates more than ever now, given that we're under a global pandemic, we've had this massive pivot from you know, working in offices to working from home. <clears throat> we've got some really critical data moving around at the edge where emergency response or you know, first responders, as North America calls it, or EMTs in the UK are running around with, with devices and tablets and laptops doing things in the field. Endpoint data protection has become probably the single most critical thing after, you know, humans. I mean, when we thought about the pivot of moving to home, our first challenge was our staff and our human resource and getting people working at home safely and in environments where they're comfortable. And then we had to worry about, well, how are they going to work? 
And there was like laptops and desktops and then the data on that. So I'm wondering if we could sort of dive into the whole endpoint protection space now, and particularly where it sort of plays into the challenges with remote workers that we all are now in effect in many ways, whether we're working it from home or in the field as EMTs or first responders. I mean, it's the, the perfect use case from an initial offering. But as I said, you know, when we think about some of these these enormous pivots and changes we've had to make for a traditional business enterprise and the enormous challenges of protecting data out in the field for you know healthcare workers, emergency workers, I wonder if we could sort of maybe just dive into kind of a little more detail of firstly the endpoint protection offering and kind of what that is and we can sort of dive into you know a bit more of the detail of the offering and some of the, the data you've seen around that and why that became a big opportunity. Absolutely and, and this has been a real learning and surprising area for me because as I mentioned earlier you know I've worked in a few different industries and whereas I really understand SaaS delivery quite well and the needs there and browser-based applications and cloud-based applications. This has been interesting, the trends and endpoints specifically, as I've been ramping up. You know, surprisingly, there are still some businesses that don't have any endpoint security, you know, in their security strategy. They don't see it as a priority. According to a recent study, you know, almost 15% are not using endpoint security. They don't have a solution in place. But then you look at what's actually happening, that 70% of data breaches come from the edge, come from endpoints because those are the most vulnerable. So as I've been working on, you know, the operations from Italic and how we look at these different offerings, you know, Endpoint, there's a real opportunity here um, to make people aware of this and help them, you know, uh, build up their data protection strategy here. So the IT team, you know, I I think with, of course, what's going on with COVID-19, people are thinking about this differently, right? Because they are now looking at supporting a remote infrastructure that wasn't potentially there before or wasn't as vast um, as it is right now. So IT teams are managing an exploding remote workforce in real time and we're uniquely positioned to help them with that, right? To help them protect the data at the edge without interrupting what the user's doing, right? This doesn't have any end user impact. The IT team can manage it, you know, which is great because it's simple to deploy, it's silent install, all of that. So it's it's really been an evolution, I think, in people thinking about this differently as the remote workforce is exploding. It's, it's a very interesting shift. Indeed it is. And it's it's an unfortunate one. But in many ways, I think the world's, uh, I guess, you know, going to put a look at this in, in, in hindsight and, and there are going to be many positives. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of weird things happening in the world. I, I saw a thing the other day saying there are dolphins in the canals of Venice now, which hasn't been the case for decades. So that's that's just surreal. Pre-COVID-19, though, I mean, what was your general sense of the, the market preparedness and readiness for this whole thing? I mean, when we think about the transition and, and the shift to the cloud, I think a lot of organizations inadvertently got caught out, but not in necessarily a negative way. They just they had to, to move a little more rapidly than they expected. Because as we saw people move to mobile devices, so we're doing a lot more on our, smart, our smartphones, we're doing a lot more on tablets, laptops move everywhere with, with us. And uh, I mean, I'm a classic, I'll still take a pen and a pad to scribble notes, but I'll then immediately type it up my laptop wherever I am. So we, in, in, in other industries, when we talk about, you know, wealth management, banking, finance, you know, banking's being done in our hands and our smartphones, when we think about telco, we think about edge networking and edge computing and everything's moving out at the edge of the network with 5G. This has definitely been the case in a number of other areas as we're using cloud services and the data moves to the edge. Were organizations prepared for this and ready for this? I mean, you're at the bleeding edge of sort of talking to those types of organizations at scale from the, 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 the high end of enterprise of the Commvault family down to sort of the mid-tier now. Was your general sense with this that people were ready for it and make the pivot? Or is it one of those eureka moments that they realize they're a little bit behind the eight ball and that you're now there to effectively, you know, help them get through that quickly? You know, I think it completely varies. I mean, when you look at the macro picture, at least in the U.S., you know, we've gone from you know 3.6% of the U.S. workforce working half time or from home, but some estimate you know that as much as 56% of the U.S. workforce could potentially be working remotely based on their current jobs, and we're now seeing that play out with COVID. We're now seeing people be forced to make that adjustment. So what's been really interesting for us is to, to work with customers on, because we're working with both customers and partners on this, is first people had to make sure they actually had the devices in place, right? You know, they had to make sure they have enough laptops, they have basically enough to transition to a remote workforce, and then look at, okay, is that data protected? So we are actively working with companies on that. They're turning to us to understand what we can offer in that arena. So we're seeing a mix of preparedness. I mean, it's function. 
and we play a unique role in that we can assist with that kind of transition. And then it will be very interesting to see, you know, as we come out of this, what the remote workforce looks like, because there's the realization that more jobs can be done remotely. Of course, there are those that cannot. And those are, you know, certainly the workers out there in the U.S. every day that we're all thanking on the front line of this thing. But there are a lot in technology, in services. I mean, even telemedicine is taking off, you know, that need kind of that remote infrastructure and the protection of that data. Indeed. I'm, I'm wondering, what was your general sense with regard to the behavioral and cultural shift that's required with this? I think one of the things that I see in organizations that they often overlook because they're so concerned with, you know, getting the business cases and cost models in place and managing it and driving the program work and the project management and the reporting and then getting the technology going, that often HR gets left out of the conversation with some of these big pivotal shifts. And, and I, I sort of one of the things I put in my top three things to worry about, which is what we've done with as number one with COVID, that we worried about getting staff out of the office and home safe. And then we looked at operational things and then we looked at technology. But I always look at it from a cultural behavioral shift um, point of view. I'm of the sense that we've already self-trained through adoption of you know, apps on our phones and using tablets in our consumer world. And then we take that in that sort of not necessarily always BYOD, but the expectation as a, as a consumer of services inside our organizations and the companies we work for is that that's where we're going anyway. Do you think that as users, we've made this behavior and cultural shift to now just assuming that things were going to be SaaS and cloud-based and, and, and that they are going to be apps and web-based tools and, and that the data was going to be protected by default and, and, and if it wasn't, we were surprised? Do you think that's a cultural behavioral shift that's taken place and then organizations are now in the situation where they actually need to respond to that as opposed to might want to? You know, it's interesting. I think there's still some surprise there, right, because you see the percentage of IT teams that still don't have endpoint protection for their organization. While it's only 15%, that's that's quite a bit, right, that don't have that. And then, you know, as people adopt new SaaS applications like Office 365 and introduce them in the organization, sometimes people don't realize that they also need to look at that data protection. And we're a very good companion to Office 365. That's sort of a key attach for this. And so there's still quite a bit of that surprise, I will tell you. Now, you do have um, folks that have worked for organizations that are just used to this, right, that have done this for a long time. So, again, this is, I think, a market in transition. Whereas, personally, a lot of us are used to it and used to, you know, on our iPhones, you know, things being backed up and connected to the cloud, you know, and that's where my photos are and that's where my videos are, but not necessarily applying that to the business context all the time. Uh, It's definitely a, a market in transition. You mentioned a hot point that I just made a note of here that I wonder if we can just circle back on as well, and that is that when we think about data protection, it's one thing to have it backed up somewhere, but then the encryption of the data, the protection of the data there, that even if for some reason somebody had managed to get access, which would be unthinkable and and probably unlikely, but when we think about security, I mean, it's always front and center of any conversation around data protection. I, I imagine this has been a key consideration from day number one within the Metallic platform. Yes, and it's really important, and that's actually one benefit of Commvault in general, because we could leverage a lot of the Commvault experience and then add on in the SaaS delivery, security is built into Metallica. You know, best-in-class encryption, security certifications, access controls. We have anomaly detection, so we can track anomalies and data and report on them. And these are very unique features, and this is based on, you know, decades of learning. And then Metallic is hosted on Azure. So we leverage the best in class from Azure as well. So we've taken what we've learned from Commvault and then into the SaaS and cloud delivery, leveraging Azure. So we've built a very strong and secure offering, which is why that's one benefit to have coming with a company that has a track record, right? Has has seen a lot, has done a lot. And so taking the best of SaaS with the best of backup, that's kind of the message here. So people can understand that security implication. Now, what's really interesting, going back to endpoint, you know, it, it's really part of a broader security strategy, right? Thinking about the data at the edge. It's not just ransomware. It's not just malware. It's data resiliency at the edge. And, you know, one thing that I was really surprised by is more than two-thirds of IT security professionals have had their company experience one or more endpoint attacks that compre- compromise their data or IT infrastructure. And that was just in 2019. That was just in that year. So it's pretty fascinating, you know, that this can be a a really key way in 
for that kind of activity, whether it's ransomware or attacks or data breach. Wow, that's a huge percentage, two thirds. I mean, it's 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 almost mind boggling. It's 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 bringing a tear to my eye to think about the the risk that people are living with it uh, on that basis. Uh, that, that a, I think you said there's like fifteen percent of companies at the stage have, have got their SaaS offerings protected and backed up, and then b two thirds of IT security people are saying that they had some issue. I mean, that's the numbers are so big. It's kind of like almost a a COVID scale issue that's just sitting there waiting to to create a similar problem in the business space. I imagine the whole... And there are are bad actors taking advantage of it, right? Those that are looking for those vulnerabilities in remote infrastructure because it is new to people. Yeah, and it's always those gaps that catch us, isn't it? It's one thing to be behind the sort of firewall and moat mentality in in an office block where your laptop's bulger to an Ethernet or a Wi-Fi point that's protected, but when you're out and about, it's those gaps that people do encroach that, that get through, whether it's an email that looks like it's from work and someone isn't doing scanning or whatever the case may be. But, you know, does it come as a surprise when you talk to people? I imagine you've had some phenomenal conversations with people behind closed doors and you're sort of talking about the types of things that the offering does and all of a sudden it's like, well, what about ransomware? What about sort of, you know, what about changes in data you don't monitor yourself? Does this come to them as a surprise that they don't have that in place and that this is such a big issue that they should have been facing already? It does. It does come as a surprise. I mean, I think the things that really tend to resonate are some of these anomaly detection pieces and even deduplication. You know, we can deduplicate on the types of data that that you're protecting so that you aren't creating duplicate backups. So we do that as well. And when people realize that they don't have those capabilities yet, it is eye-opening for folks. And that's that's key to the discovery conversation around this, right? What does your IT infrastructure look like now? How do you future-proof it? You know, how, you know, data runs your business, right? So how do you recover that data? Because we talk a lot about data protection, data backup, but it's really about the recovery event. It really is about when there is an issue, how quickly can you recover? Can you have some alerting that there is an issue brewing? You know, we, we aren't, you know, a, a, you know, antivirus software by any means, but we can be that, you know, protection if and when something does it, right? if something does get through, if there's something new or not anticipated. And then at the edge, it's, you know, you spill coffee on your laptop. You know, you have someone leave leave a laptop somewhere, lose it, you know, things like that. So it's, it, it's a bit unexpected for people when you really have an in-depth conversation with them. You know, and then you've got people who are extremely savvy, as I said, who just know all about this, know when they need it, when they don't, and come to us with a pretty solid idea of what they want. So it's a mix. Indeed, and I think, you know, as you said, organizations tend to be ahead of the curve uh, with regard to whether it's built in. I mean, you know, spam, for example, is still dealt with our, our SaaS-based you know, office automation email platforms. If I'm using Office 365, they're predominantly solving the spam problem. They're getting better and better at some of the phishing attacks. Uh, if someone lodges it as an issue, they pick it up for the world. So a lot of that front end stuff is sort of dealt with relatively well with organizations. But, you know, as you said, there are so many scenarios that we don't often sit down and think through of, you know, what could cause me to lose access to my data, whether I leave my laptop somewhere accidentally or leave it on a train or a plane or I just it gets stolen at a cafe or whatever the case may be, or even my mobile phone gets lost. So I think that whole endpoint thing is such a critical thing that doesn't get uh, considered in depth for all those different scenarios. And to that point, I had a note here that, you know, you had a free trial from day one, which was obviously take. I saw some stats and I had some great uptake from from the get go. That was a no brainer. That was a nice try before you buy a thing. But I saw a thing coming out recently, which I'd love to dive into now with regard to particularly the endpoint uh, space, where you'd made a whole new offering around the the response to COVID nineteen, particularly the metallic offering around endpoint protection. Could you maybe just give us a little insight into what that was first, and we can sort of dive into the detail of what the offer includes. Yes. So when we launched, we started with a free trial offering. It's a 45-day free trial of any of the three solutions. You do not have to speak to anyone to get started. A customer can just go in and try it out. And we really wanted to offer 45 days to give folks a chance to go through a full month, really understand that full data protection recovery cycle. And that was received very well because we found that some others in this space, you have to talk to someone to activate a trial. And this is meant to be more friction-free. So, so that was very positive from the get-go. As for this new offer, we're very pleased that we've been able to partner with Microsoft Azure to make our endpoint protection free. 
for organizations until September 1st, um, and it's up to 1,000 endpoints per customer. We really want to support this remote workforce shift that's happening, and we're in a position where we can. So that offering is completely free. It doesn't require a purchase. It's no strings attached. Um, and Azure has jointly offered it with us, which is just great. We're, we're very pleased to be able to partner on it and to be able to offer that to the market. Wow, that's a fantastic offer, and up to a thousand endpoints. I mean, that's that's a substantial section of the market that is probably unserviced as far as their end, endpoint protection goes from a from a user point of view. I mean, for organizations already struggling to cope with the whole human resource and operational challenges, I imagine this is a godsend. And in in effect, I imagine it's sort of one of the you know one less technology issue they have to solve themselves, given that you've already done all the hard work for them. Have, what sort of response have you had so far with regard to folk who've already taken up the offer? Oh, it's been it's been a great response. We have such a mix of companies signing up for the offer. We have everything from the Fortune 100 to healthcare companies to school districts to startups. You know, we're just seeing such a diverse mix of companies that need this kind of solution right now that are signing up. And what's been fascinating, I'll tell you, does is that. Usually when you do kind of an upper mid-market or enterprise sale, you see digital promotion, you know, your promotion on the web or in Google or things like that as one touch point for a customer as they're thinking about your service. Because this is so needed, we are seeing people come in after seeing a Reddit advertisement, you know, in, in the IT community on Reddit. You know, after seeing a Google ad, we've had people converting off of a tweet because they see a solution like this offered with Metallic and Azure and are interested because it can help them with what they're going through right now. And one fascinating thing about this is that originally Endpoint was rounding out our portfolio for Metallic. It wasn't our lead offering. So to see this kind of uptick is just different than what we expected. And we're very pleased to be able to offer something like this. Uh, Indeed. For folk listening in who are going to be in exactly that scenario, and I suspect there's a significant percentage uh, of people who are tuning in and thinking, okay, my next question is, well, what is the process to sign up and take up the offer? Yes, absolutely. So you can go right to the Metallic website. It's metallic.io and sign right up for Endpoint. You can go into the free trial. You can click on the Endpoint solution. Any way you go into Endpoint, you will automatically get that offer and it will apply to your account as you sign it, sign up. You, as I said, you don't need to talk to anyone to do it. It's available right on the website, and you can get started with a configuration in minutes, which is great. You don't need to be activated or anything like that. And as I said, no purchase required at all. Fantastic. And, and even folk who, who may be in organizations who have uh, that level of protection in place and haven't had experience with it, I highly recommend they do exactly what I did in the week that it was launched uh, in Denver. Uh, I rushed up to my hotel room, grabbed it, installed it, got it running on my machine, and sat there thinking, well, that was pretty straightforward. In fact, I think we were on camera, I jokingly said that it took me about 11 minutes because I made two typos and I had to go back and fix up my email address. But yeah, I think you know this is such an exciting offer. It's a no-brainer that people should take it up immediately. And I love the fact that they can self-service it right from the get-go. But even if people aren't in that situation immediately, I highly recommend they go and do the free trial regardless as an individual. I think this is where a lot of people have gotten access to things like cloud technology. When when AWS was offering you know some free trials, I, I know that when platforms like Google Google's Gmail was a free trial to run up. People got access. So I think it's a great way to get hands-on and understand the technology if you haven't already done it. And obviously, it's a no-brainer if it solves a problem for your business now. Just jump on and use it. And I love the fact that it's extended out to September. That's brilliant because it takes a lot of the stress about, you know, well, is it only a, th- a short-term trial? As a final wrap-up, I wonder, because I've taken up a lot of your time and I appreciate that, but I wonder if we can wrap up with one sort of final question. Now, normally what I tend to do with my guests is, is ask them to allow me to hand them a virtual crystal ball and get them to gaze into it for a moment. I'd like to sort of skew this a little bit, particularly around the whole topic of SaaS data protection and, and the challenges that the world's facing right now. Janet, if I was to hand you a virtual crystal ball and get you to gaze into it for a moment and sort of get you to consider the sorts of things that we're going to see over the next 12 to 18 months as we get through this global pandemic and then get back to some sense of normal, and then the normal challenges you were sort of facing as an organization prior that Metallic was addressing, can you just give us a general sense of sort of where you see us going over the next 12 to 18 months and the sorts of things that organizations are going to be challenged with 
through the coming out of the pandemic and then sort of trying to get back to a sense of normal. And as people go back to the, being in an office environment or, or sort of, you know, in the field in close quarters, you're in a, a unique position in many ways, not just with the metallic brand and Commvault, but also in, in your, your role within data protection as an industry. What are your general sense of sort of the next 12 to 18 months and where we're going to go and the things that people should be thinking about, particularly from an actionable point of view, as in, you know, if I'm listening, I'm thinking, OK, so what do I do next? Maybe I take up the free trial if I don't have an immediate problem or I take up the up to a thousand th- uh, seat offer to help me get through this pandemic. You must have a general sense of some of some of the big trends and big changes we're going to see and shift around the space around SaaS data protection and particularly endpoint. Yes, absolutely. I, I think this is changing conversations around SaaS adoption and around leveraging the cloud. And I know we've been saying that for years, but this is an unusual forcing function, to say the least, where what is our new normal going to be in terms of infrastructure? You know, are we over, overly reliant in some industries and some sectors on physical infrastructure? Do we need to look at more distributed infrastructures? Do we need to leverage the cloud in different ways? Do, do companies need to go multi-cloud? And I think there will be an acceleration of conversations that may have already been happening, but this has forced people to relook at it. You know, to kind of put this in perspective, you know, when we talk to companies, maybe in healthcare or financial services or maybe legal services, you know, there, there's a reliance on that physical infrastructure just because when you look at it, there's some of the sectors that really think about that data protection in a different way because it's so important. But at the same time, this now forces people to think, maybe I can leverage the cloud or go multi-cloud or think about new ways to do this because it is secure and, and companies are seeing success with it. So that's we see Metallica as very interestingly poised for that kind of shift. But again, what's great is Broader Commvault has that offering for those that want a bit of both, want a physical infrastructure, but maybe for a branch office or for a certain set of data, want it delivered as SaaS. So as people are thinking about that, we can kind of serve up to both of those needs. But, you know, what's, what's interesting, Des, is we'll, we'll talk to companies and say they have a SaaS initiative. You know, they'll tell us that we have a SaaS initiative. We have a digital transformation initiative. We have a cloud transformation initiative. And now this is this is like the ultimate accelerator. So we'll see what happens as we come out into this new normal. Uh, indeed. No, and I, I think that's a brilliant point that there'll be no question that we can work remotely now. We've already done that globally. There's no question we can adopt agile and, and cloud-related services. We've done that. Uh, and so I don't think there's any more valid proof point than surviving a global pandemic and then getting back to some sense of normal. I think this is now in many ways uh, given permission, if you like, if, if there's a positive spin on that for organizations to say, okay, we, we did get through that. We survived. And, and even if we had some key challenges staying operational, what now? So I think it's an exciting opportunity, as unfortunate as it's a global pandemic, for, for organizations to sort of be giving themselves permission to, to adopt these technologies and, and not sort of have some of those fear factors that, you know, could we do it? Should we do it? It's like, well, you just did and you survived. So let's, let's now get on with it. Well, Janet, it's been fantastic to spend yes. an hour with you. I really appreciate you making time. And, you know, again, congratulations on both the successful launch. It was great to be there and be part of that in, in a sense. And it was fantastic to get you on camera. We'll definitely include a link to that interview in the show description for the podcast uh, so people can uh, see us on camera having a conversation around that launch. And it's been an amazing six months to see it go through. And, and, and again, congratulations to you and your team and the Commvault family, including Metallic, uh, getting us up and running. And, and, you know, I guess on behalf of many organizations, thanks for this exciting opportunity to take up this great offer. It just takes such a stress point away from them to now get back to operational challenges rather than technology. It's going to be exciting 12 to 18 months, and I can't wait to see where it goes next. Great. Thank you so much for the, for the time, Des, and I hope to see some of you in our offer. <laughs>